If I, if I use the words Yanni and Laurel, how many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. Some of you don't. So just listen to this recording. What do you hear? Laurel. 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 Okay. How many of you hear Yanni? Laurel. How many of you hear Laurel? Laurel. Look around you. What? Oh, I don't. I don't know. She does. Now, Diana hears Laurel. How many of you sit here and heard Laurel? That's really what he's saying, Laurel. And how many of us hear Yanny? I hear Yanny clearly. Isn't that weird? It has something to do with our de- the decibels, and we pick up sounds. Words have meaning. Now, Luke last week talked, of course, about communication in marriage. And so we even push that forward today, and we deal with this word submission that you heard in the text. When you hear the word submission, we all can hear something differently because of our experiences in life, because of what was modeled to us, um, how, we have, how we have experienced life, uh, how we have even understood the word rightly or wrongly. Our frame of reference has everything to do with how we hear words. When we come to the Scripture, what's so important, of course, is that we're attentive to what God is saying, and we grasp from His perspective what does He want us to understand. What does He want us to hear? Jesus often said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when He said that, He wanted us to be attentive to the point He was trying to make. And that's so important as we approach the Word of God. And so that's what we're doing today as we consider this submission, the mutual submission in marriage, and the role of submission and the role of the headship in marriage as well that husbands and wives uh, are to to, um, emulate together. You've heard the reading of the passage. You may want to have it in front of you in Ephesians 5. It's a familiar text. But I want to remind you that when Paul is writing this, he's not really writing about marriage at all. If you go earlier in the text, he's writing about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why I began the worship service today by reminding us that that when we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, giving thanks to God, that is an indication of one being filled with the Spirit. He goes on to say that, that in the church... There is mutual submission. That's verse 21 of chapter 5. Out of reverence for Christ, submit to one another. And so that's a commandment. We do that in the church body. But if we don't learn it at home, we'll never bring it to church. Now, I realize that we're speaking to quite a conglomeration today. You know, we have, we have uh, lots of married people. But we have lots of single people as well. But I want you to know that even if you're a single person, This text is important because you have married people in your life, and you may think that because you're not married, you would never have a place to speak in the marriage. That is not true because you have the Word of God, and His principles, they they stand for all situations, and we can provide counsel. So, uh, and we're going to address singles in a couple of weeks, so that's coming. But right now, we're dealing with, with this word submission. Now, what is Submission. Well, the Greek word is hupotasso, and it means to arrange under. And that's what we do when we come to Jesus. We arrange our lives under his lordship. And so we have several things we want to say about biblical submission. Now, we can't say everything, and we don't want to pretend today that we're the models of it. We're not. 
I'm still training Diana a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> now, she's teaching me more than I'm teaching her for sure. But this is a joint effort. We've been, then we're in our 41st year of marriage, and we're still learning. And we're still, uh, we're still helping each other. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were sitting on the porch eating, and she asked a question. I answered her. She said, do you know you just spoke down to me? I said, did I? I didn't know that. I never would want to do that. She says, well, that's how I heard it. This is what. So, you know, I'm learning too. I would never want to speak down to her, but I, I can do that. It made me immediately think about the church. I don't want to speak down to anybody. But, but you know, we're, so we're still sharpening. That's all I want to say. We're imperfect just like you're imperfect. So, first, let's start off. Biblical submission is countercultural. The culture will always think it has a better idea than us about marriage. It's always been the case. It always will. Sitcoms will never have it right. Dramas will never have it right. We have to go to the source. If, if we have marriage questions, if I, if I have a problem with my teeth, I don't go right down to Harley Davidson to get help. You know, I go to somebody trained in that field. If I, if I want a better marriage, I'm going to go to the one who designed marriage, right? And, and, and even though I might read this kind of passing, I don't agree with that. That's your problem. It's not God's problem because God has outlined something beautiful for us to enjoy. We need the designer's words. And it all, all began, let me, let me just stop and go back to the garden because in the garden, the evil one went to the woman. And there's a lot of discussion. Why did he go to Eve first? Some will suggest, well, she's the gullible one or she's the weak one. I'm not so sure about that. I mean, Adam was pretty easily led too, wasn't he? All I know is... Satan is an author of chaos, and whatever God's design is, he wants to bring disorder for, to that, and he will work hard to do it, including in the family setting, in the marriage relationship. He will bring chaos, and that's what happened in the garden, and so Adam then was easily led, and then part of the curse said this in 316 of Genesis, your desire, he said, God says to the woman, is for your husband, and he will rule over you. Now, there are three sort of layers to that. First, physically, of course, her pain would greatly increase in childbirth, the passage says. Psychologically, although man would cause pregnancy to occur in the woman, nevertheless, her desire would be for this one who brings great pain to her. So, psychologically, there is this interesting, complexing, complex thing that's happening. And, and in the social aspect, here is Eve who acted independently from her husband. She sought control her own way, and as a result of that fall in a fallen world, she will be controlled. And isn't that what we've seen through the generations? Man, because of his chauvinism, because of his own fallenness, he has treated woman with disdain and disrespect. We see it in the cultures of the world today, and it's still in our culture, all this buying that goes on. It's because of fallenness. What Jesus does is he steps into our homes and our marriages, and he redeems us, and he brings our lives, our marriages back to working order. That's what he does, as he intended, and that's why we love all that he does. All right, biblical submission is also voluntary. Now, God says it here. This is not my idea. He says the husband is the head of the wife. That doesn't mean that I dominate Diana. It doesn't mean that I rule over her. Jesus is the head of this church. But he doesn't, he doesn't he's not domineering, is he? he? He doesn't rule. He leads by love. 
And so the head and the body work in unison together for something beautiful as he guides his church. The same, that picture is to be present in the, in the family as well. And men, husbands, we do that by loving our wives well. You have some things you want to say about this. It's just about how God created the world initially. Adam was first and then Eve. And, you know, we believe that God's idea of marriage is between one man and one woman. And those two roles are not interchangeable, but they are equal in value and equal in worth. And um, if you are someone that's called an egalitarian, that's when you believe that male and female roles are interchangeable. But it's much more beautiful, I think, to be a complementarian, which means that we each have equal worth and value, but our, our, our roles are not identical. We actually complement each other. We make each other better. And in Genesis 2.18, when God says that he will make a helper suitable for the, for the man, the Hebrew word for helper is azer, which is actually the same word that's used for God 16 times in the Old Testament um, as in, the Lord is my helper. And it's also a word that's used for those who come to the rescue and come to the aid. So it's a term of honor. Um, as in every marriage, um, Steve and I have different styles. We have different um, ways we do things. We have different skill sets, different gifts. Uh, he's probably told too many times about how I'm more the planner in the home as in the um, well-known fiasco of the window washing <laughs> event. But um, the truth is, uh, he, I am a planner, but he actually often is the one who just dives in and gets half the job done while I'm still sitting at the table strategizing over the best way to do it. Um, he's also... Well, we often have to redo it because they didn't <laughs> do it your way. Okay. He's also um, obviously the extrovert and I'm the introvert and um, I just have learned so much. He's helped me so much to, um, to handle social situations better and yet he says that I help him to learn to appreciate calm and refuge of our home and um, not to always have to be out and about with people for, for joy. Um, I'm also definitely the more negative one who sees the cup um, half empty. I'm the worrier who can always think about the possible bad outcome of any decision. And he's the one who's always upbeat and positive and a dreamer. And he helps me so much in that way. But he says that I help him to sometimes be maybe more realistic about things. So we'd be stupid if we didn't avail each other uh, of, of our individual gifts. So basically, for being a wife is not about being that, that little woman, I guess you would say. When, when you look at the background of what Paul was saying to the Ephesian Christians, he was actually elevating those women in comparison to how they were treated in the Greco-Roman culture. And, you know, those women were just dominated by their husbands. And a man could actually sell his daughter as a slave. So I think it would have been really shocking for those Ephesian men to first read Paul's letter um, when he said that they should love their wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her. And also God was elevating uh, women 
in giving her the choice to place herself under her husband's leadership. God didn't say in the passage, you know, husbands command your wives to obey. It wasn't about that. The, the, the wife is given the choice to submit, and we should do that willingly and gladly and, and um, voluntarily and with abandon. You don't really want to be sitting here, do you? I don't want to be sitting here. I'm trying to be mutually satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it should be an easier thing. I mean, Dinah makes me better in so many ways. And I'm, I, it is, like what she said, stupid for me not to give attention to her strengths and then align my life with her. That's where the mutual submission. You see how that affects the church? When we, when we come to the body of Christ, when you're in your life groups, you know, we make each other better because we're together. There's mutual, we lay our lives down for other people's needs, for their desire. And that brings us to the next point, which is biblical submission is sacrificial. That's the nature of it. And that whole idea runs contrary to our nature, doesn't it? That's the sin nature that makes us want to sit up and take charge, take control, do it our way even coming to Christ. And I, I firmly believe that's one of the reasons people have a hard time coming to Christ to begin with is that they don't want to give up control. They don't want to lay down their lives. And yet that's what we're called to do all the time. Romans 12:1, remember, says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Now, that message is for the whole church. It aligns with verse 21 of chapter 5, be mutually submissive to one another. So that's what we do. We practice it at home. If we can't, if we can't improve in our home relationships, then we're certainly not going to practice in the body of Christ, the church. This is our practice arena at home. And that's why it must be learned well there, this mutual submission. And so, uh, you know, it's, uh, I like C.S. Lewis in The Four Loves. He wrote, man has the crown in the relationship as Christ does over the church, but it's a crown of thorns. So, husbands, we sacrifice ourselves out of love for our wives. I remember, some of you remember Keith Robbins, Keith and Rosaline. They went with to be with the Lord the last year or two. I remember Keith years ago, they had this special needs daughter that was totally dependent on them. And Keith would go to work, and he'd go play golf, and then come home. And one day he came home, and he realized all that Rosaline did all day to care for this, this needy daughter who needed total care. He, he, he said, I put my clubs in the attic, and I never played again. Because how can I do that when I know I should be home relieving Rosaline of her, of her obligations with our daughter? And I just remember being touched by that illustration of laying self down. And that's what it's to look like. And I want to do better about that. And Diana has sacrificed for me initially when, she was, when we were even coming to Plainfield um, in social events uh, because she's the introvert. You know, sometimes, even now, before we go somewhere, she'll say, don't leave me alone here, you know. <laughs> and because she, she's not good at small talk, light talk. If she has a conversation, she wants to go deeper. And usually parties and receptions, you don't have that opportunity. And so a, a crowd is, is uh, hard. When we were first in ministry, she told people she had four-year phobia, you know, just, just being in a whole group of people. So, so she, is, she is sacrificed. In fact... When we were dating, you know what she said? I really want to marry a farmer. 
I tried to raise carrots once and they were deformed. So I, I am so bad at that kind of thing. So she went a long distance, you know, to, to sacrifice for me, and I just value what all she's done. You say you sacri- I've sacrificed for you. I don't think so. The truth is, maybe he's talking about some grand things, but the, the truth is Steve sacrifices for me on a daily basis. He's much better at the day-to-day um, selfless thing. I'm usually not up here, and he's usually talking and makes it sound like I got it together, but really I don't. He's the one who, um, if we have a late-night run to the drugstore, he's always on it, he'll do it. If, if um, I, you know, I'm working hard at school and getting home late, I come home, and he's already been to the grocery, and he's got this really nice warm dinner all ready for me. Um, he, when our kids were young and had to go to early morning swim practice, he was always the one who was out there taking them. He makes a point that I have the better car to drive. If we watch TV shows, he will defer to my interest in Downton Abbey or HGTV, and he'll even show an interest because he knows that that's what I like. So Are you willing to change in that? Are you willing to change Well, you didn't watch The Royal Wedding with me. I did not watch The Royal Wedding, that's true. (laughs) Just little glimpses when she hailed me, I ran in. Okay. All right. So, you know, um, it's just difficult to lay ourselves down, isn't it? Well, we admit that. It's hard to lay down. I mean, we, we come to the scriptures. We know what God says. That's not how I want to be. There's two ways you can become a living sacrifice. You can do it willfully and joyfully, or you can do it begrudgingly. And if you crawl on top of the altar with a bad attitude, that does not give glory to Christ. But if we lay down our lives willingly because we have found we have found. We have found there's, there is something about laying our lives down before the Lord in obedience that grants something better. It's worth it. That's what we do. So we keep working at it. Biblical submission is also limited. In other words, husbands as head of our wives, is again, it doesn't mean to rule or dominate. It's to be the head of our wives by the way we love them. Paul says in the text that our wives are the extension of our bodies. So when your body hurts, the head hurts. You know, that, that, that's the, the, the impulses go to the, the head, right? To the brain. When there's a joy, it's doubled because she's there and we share it together. Where there's a hurt, it's my hurt. That's how God wants it to be because that's how God is with us. That's how, how he treats us, his church. And so um, it's also limited. Submission, headship is limited because you're always answerable to God. You see, I have to, we husbands have to stand before God and give an answer for the way we have loved our wives as Christ has loved the church. I need Diana's help in knowing what that looks like and what her needs are. I need that. Because by her submitting, she's standing next to me in preparation for that great day of the Lord when I stand before him. You see? See, I I think when you look at this text, the man, the burden is on the man, the husband. You know, because we're the ones who have to learn to love our wives like Christ loved the church. I mean, that's the the supreme law. If we we learn to do that well, I think we're going to have happy wives. You know? Now, um, wives... Submission has its limitations. 
God never expects you to be disobedient to him. You know, when, when, when Peter was told in Acts, you got to stop preaching, he said, how can I, I can't stop preaching. Even though know, they threatened his life, he had to keep on. And, uh, you know, some of you wives might be in abusive situations. God does not want you to live in an abusive situation. If you are physically abused, uh, you get to sheltering wings. You know, you are not to submit to that kind of treatment. You have a right to speak your voice. You should freely be able to do that. Uh, there, the God, God so, so there is this limitation. I hope you understand, and that's why in so many faiths of the world, there's this dominance over women, and women are only used, and that is unbiblical and ungodlike, unchristlike in all its ways. My mom and dad, uh, you know, some of you aren't married even to believing spouses. You know, my mom and dad were sort of like that. You are going to tell about that. Right. Um, so Steve's mom, Marie, moved from Irving, Kentucky to Springfield, Ohio in 1942 when she was 18 during World War II. She came uh, north with her best friend, Francis Lambert. And uh, soon after that, she met uh, Steve's dad, Bob, and they were married. Um, Marie was from a Christian home, and uh, she had a strong faith. She loved the Word. She loved the church. She was a prayer warrior, but Bob was actually oppositional to anything related to faith or to the church. And and that's where um, I think if Marie were sitting here with us, she'd say that that was where she was just not going to cave in on her convictions. So that's where I think that her, she, she was always very submissive to Bob, but she, she was limiting her um, submission as far as she would always stay faithful to God primarily. And um, she just kept on, you know, doing what the First Peter passage says. She just kept living her faith. She... She um, was a very good wife, a very loyal wife. Um, she was, became really active and involved at First Christian Church in, in Springfield. She, again, stayed faithful to uh, the Lord in, in Bible reading and prayer. And gradually, she just sort of paved the way for Steve's dad to um, become a Christian himself and actually a leader in the church. Um, also, Steve's parents, like... Uh, you know, we're just very blessed because my grandma, my mother, and also my mother-in-law um, and father-in-law, you know, were just great examples of, of mutual submission. And um, in many ways, Steve's mom, Marie, she kind of had the same gift set that Steve does. She, she was very outgoing. She had lots of leadership qualities. She was creative. She was outgoing. She had lots of friends. Um, and... And Steve's dad was actually more gentle and reserved. And, um, and so in, 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 in ways, she was sort of the leader of the family. But we were very aware that there were times, you know, when Bob would say, now, Marie, let's think about that. And she would always defer to him. She really understood what it meant to show respect and be submissive to her husband. And they were great examples to us. They're a great team. And she was a strong woman. And dad was strong, but more in a quiet way. So this doesn't mean you change your personality. You know, God works with however you're made to, to work this. And this is what I want to say, too, that this whole principle, mutual submission and the head and the, and the submissive uh, wife, all this is going to look different family to family, home to home. But you just want to live out the principle well. 
and, and, uh, and complement one another, as Diana mentioned earlier. She was talking about that First Peter text. This is what it says. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. So if that's your situation, you just keep praying and keep living and modeling Christ. And biblical submission is joyful. You know, that altar, putting yourself on the altar as a living sacrifice doesn't make sense to the world. I mean, it's all about looking out for number one, the top dog in our world system, but not when it comes to Scripture, not when it comes to Christ, but always, always our submission, like the video earlier, choose to lose. But what happens? You gain. That's, that, that's Jesus' principle. The one who loses his life for my sake and the gospel actually will be able to grab the whole world. You get everything. It's, it's, it seems ridiculous, but here in marriage, it's the same thing. Here a husband is to love his wife with abandon. At the core of man is desire for, to be his wife's hero. And at the core of every wife is the desire to be adored and cherished and protected. That's just basic, at the basic level. And so when both people are doing that, how, how, how beautiful this is. Um, did you want to add something here? I forget. We just <clears throat> recently had a situation that mm. came up <clears throat> excuse me, where um, we... We're trying to make a financial decision, sort of an important financial decision. You know, we're kind of getting to that age. And um, I had an idea of what I thought seemed like the good thing to do and um, was pretty much excited about my idea. And we were praying and thinking it through, talking a lot about it and investigating. And so he then came up with an idea that he thought would probably be a better one for our family. And... So I, I have to admit, I had some days where I felt kind of disappointed about that. Um, but in, this is one situation where maybe I kind of got it right because I just tried to be quiet and I respected that, you know, this should be his decision. And um, I'll have to say that as time has gone by, I've realized that his decision was actually better for our whole family. And, um, but it wouldn't have necessarily been. It wouldn't have necessarily been. Then what? then I still need to respect and honor you. <laughs> Ouch. Should we tell those stories? Remember, <laughs> of those where, where I haven't done right, you know, but she's loved me anyway. I've made poor financial decisions in her life, but she has never demeaned me for it, ever. Yeah. That's a hard role to play. It's a hard role to play. There's always, God always blesses when we lay ourselves down. He always does. More than we know. Give up your life, and, and you gain, and, then the, and, the, and the joy comes. Uh, so so I, I guess what I want to add here, husbands, is that being the head does mean there are those rare occasions, and I think they're rare, when you're the tiebreaker. There are some times when you just can't Agree. And there's got, you got to move. And you just got to go for it. But not to get your way. 
If in being the tiebreaker, oh good, I get it my way, that is not God honoring. It is out of prayer and consideration and taking, being aware of your wife's viewpoint, taking all that into package, you still make what you believe is the best decision. You may get it right, you may get it wrong, but it's on you. And you have to do it respectfully, honoring the person you're married to, and press on. And if you've been wrong, you be sure you confess that to your mate as well, your spouse. Let her know. You know I blew it. I should listen to you. It's okay. There's goodness and forgiveness comes. All right, and biblical submission is Christ-centered. The head and the body complement each other. We're out of time, so we're going to go fast now. But we don't act independently. We share everything together. I mean, that's what mutual submission is about. Keep each other informed, what we're thinking about and what's, what's happening. Uh, when we moved here, it was a hard move for Diana. Tell about that. Yeah, the, when we, and Steve first got a call from an elder here at Plainfield, uh, our youngest daughter, Chelsea, was exactly one week old, and we had lived in a house that we loved um, for maybe just a little over a year, and our other two children were just sort of settling into school, and it, and. Steve's mom had just recently retired and lived in the same town and said, oh, I'm so excited to be able to be home with this new baby more and help you out more. And so it was kind of bad timing for me, and I remember thinking, Yeah, guess what? We're moving. Yeah, but he was so excited about it, and he kept coming home from meetings over here and telling me that, you know, the opportunities were just grand, and he just thought it would be the best thing. And so um, we came, and, you know, I'll, I'll admit that, when we first lived in Plainfield, I would always tell Steve that it was all in black and white to me. I couldn't see color here. And then it just took some time before, um, before everything did become color. And obviously, it's just been grand. I mean, I'm just so thankful that we did follow Steve's lead in that situation. I, and I, I did talk to you about it, didn't I? You did. And I don't think that it was actually just Steve's idea. That's where the Christ-centered part of this comes in, because we both really did feel like that this was... God's best for our family and for the church, and um, that's what—that's the part that did give me peace. Even though I was living in black and white for a while, I kept knowing, oh yeah, this is really right. This is really good, because um, I could see what a great fit it was for Steve to be here, and me. Thank you for that. Um, and and do you understand that this text is about the gospel? It's really about the gospel. It's not about marriage. It's about the gospel. God wants his will made known. And one of the ways he's chosen to do it is through, through a husband who, love, who is crazy about his wife and loves and adores her like Christ loves the church. And it's a picture of how much the church is in love with Jesus and honors him because of what he's done. That's what it's about. All through this text, it's about Jesus. He gets to the end. He says, the mystery I'm telling you about, it's about the church. It's about the church. That's what I'm really talking about. And so the final thing we just want to say is, all this is powered by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Now, now all these principles are for any marriage anywhere. You don't have to be a Christian to gain from God's principles. Marriage is for all people not just believers, it's for everybody. His principles work for all marriages. But to live it fully, it has to be two people that are sold out to Jesus and in whom the Holy Spirit lives. 
because this is not natural. Mutual submission out of reverence for Christ is not natural for us. It's not natural to be a head in a godly way. It's natural for us men to be head in an ungodly way. It's, it's natural for a, a wife to rebel against being led. It's not natural to want to choose submission. It's an empowerment by the Holy Spirit. And so if you don't have Christ in your life, you're missing out on his very best, single or married. It doesn't matter. You're missing out on the only one who can complete you. He's the only perfect bridegroom. None of us men are. And there's no perfect church. Nevertheless, Jesus pours out his love on us, doesn't he? Just as Eve came out of Adam's side, Jesus' side was pierced for us. He was put to sleep so that Eve could be given to him. And Jesus experienced the sleep of death so that we might have this life that we have today. Uh, he, he was the one. Uh, Adam was the one who sinned, who sinned because he loved Eve. Jesus never sinned, but he became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. What a great Savior we have. If you do not know him, please, please surrender to him. Let him be the Lord over all. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, thank you for being our Lord, our God, our King. There is none like you. And may all glory belong to you in our marriages, our homes. Father, as husbands, help us to love our wives well, Father, and be sensitive to them. And God, please bless our wives as they learn their role and as they stand next to us, loving us and respecting us and supporting us in our role. And I pray that our marriages, Father, will announce the gospel of Jesus Christ by our relationships together. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And so today we give you an opportunity to come to Jesus Christ. I love the old chorus. We're not going to sing it right now, but, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your, your face is all I seek. And when your eyes are on this child, your grace abounds to me. That's, that's the God that we worship today. If you don't know him, last service we had two baptisms into Christ. You can be baptized this hour into Jesus Christ to be resurrected to new life. Let's stand and sing.